Hola, soy Erika de la Vega y hago un podcast llamado En Defensa Propia, donde converso con mujeres sobre sus procesos de reinvención y transformación y sobre las herramientas que necesitamos para lograrlo. A través de las historias que escucharás en En Defensa Propia, conseguirás la inspiración y la motivación para reconectar con tu poder interior, cambiar tu actitud hacia los cambios y así poder diseñar la vida que quieres vivir. En Defensa Propia. Puedes escuchar En Defensa Propia en todas las plataformas de audio. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listeners. It's Emmy Olea. As a special bonus to Crumbs, I'll be interviewing people close to me who are part of the journey. We'll reflect on my life, my search for love, and the impact the show had on them. In this episode, I'll be talking with my mom, Hilda. If you already listened to the show, you know this is the most important relationship in my life. And we talk about everything here. So much was revealed in this conversation, things that I was oblivious to. I got to see my mom in a different light. I got to be a part of her journey, trying to raise me. Having this conversation with my mom, it was very difficult. There were a lot of painful memories that were relived, but it made me see my mom as a totally different person. And all I can say is, it was emotional. If you haven't heard the show yet, don't wait. Head back to the feed and start the journey from step one. We'll be here when you're done. Okay, let's get started. So the podcast, what did you think of it? I was trying to listen to this podcast as this is Emmy's story, not this is my daughter's. It just was easier to separate the two. I mean, of course, there were times when I was like, oh, it was just like stab, stab, you know, but um, you went through a lot of shit, you know, your insecurities, because I think that was the main thing for you, being insecure and asking yourself, What am I doing wrong? Why don't they like me? Why can't I find love? You know? Um, and I feel that you have grown with every single relationship. You've learned something new. Because that's what we do, right? We learn from all our hurts. Who do you think is my ideal type 
of man. Who? I don't know who, but I could tell you what I think is your ideal man is a, a man that, of course, loves you, accepts you, and lets you be yourself. A man that if you're upstairs watching something and he's downstairs, you're okay with it because you guys are still there together and you share everything together. You don't have to try to take care of him or protect him. Of course, as a mother, I want a man that's going to take care of you and 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 never hurt you, never let anything happen to you. I just want you to find that perfect partner that you're comfortable with and that you can be your total self, whether you're screaming or, or throwing a fit, whatever, and he's okay with it and you're okay with it. You know what I mean? That you guys could just have a beautiful bond, you know? Kind of like what your Nana and Tata have. I don't know how good of a relationship they have, but they complement each other, you know? Someone you could speak and he'll finish your sentence type of guy. I don't know. Just... And then you're okay when he's not there around you or he's okay when you're not there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, okay, mom. So if you were to write a dating profile for me, what would it say? I'm curious. <laughs> Let's see. Like, say you're filling out like my Bumble or Tinder profile. What would it say? It would probably start out like... Emmy, chica Latina, <laughs> late 30s, right? Because you talked about that. Um, late 30s, looking to share love. Wait, that sounds kind of cheesy. Um, smart. What's that word I'm looking for? Um Self-sufficient, okay, self-sufficient, smart, beautiful, chica Latina, late 30s, early 30s, let's say, <laughs> <laughs> since you like to change it. Interested in finding a partner that I can share my, my daily do's and don'ts, I don't know. <laughs> All right, mom, you're definitely not writing my dating profile. <laughs> I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts So when it comes to my childhood, is there a certain memory that sticks out to you from my childhood or a certain story that was brought up? There's a few. Um, first, I want to say that you were the most beautiful, special child ever. Like, you loved me unconditionally. That's like the most precious memory I have of your childhood that you didn't care like the time in the hotel so many other times you didn't care what we were doing what we were going through you were happy to be with me and 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 that's what I hold in my heart you know you mentioned the hotel story let's talk about it okay so there was actually two, but let's we'll talk about the first oh, one. Well, walk me through it. Let me hear it. Okay, so when I was listening to you talk about the the time at the hotel, I, I was thinking there was one before that. It was right before I met Kiko. I remember that Kiko and I met in January, at the end of January. So this was also Christmas time, and we were at a motel. We were at a hotel called El Caballito, which was San Diego's finest. <laughs> if you were a crackhead, <laughs> you know. Um, 
So we were there. I had had a fight with Mami Licha, and the only way I could really get back at her was taking you with me because I was your mom, not her. So I took you, and we were in this roach-infested little room. I stopped somewhere. I don't know where. I picked up this little plastic Christmas tree, and she sent your tia Chave and your tio Luis to go get you. But they couldn't take you away from me because I was mom, even though I really didn't want you there because I wanted to get high and do whatever it is I had to do. And I kept you there because that was my way of getting back at your grandma. What was that conversation like with Matia Chave and with Matia Luis? They had, you know, let him come with us, you know, he'll be better. He's got presents waiting. And of course, when you heard that, you you wanted to go. You wanted to go get your gifts, your Christmas presents. And and I said, no, Wero, we have presents here too. I didn't have any, but. But you weren't going to let me go. I wasn't going to let you go. I don't remember that one. But I, know, I remember El Caballito. I know where it's at. Is it still there? It's still there. That's <laughs> busy as ever. So, wow. Now, the hotel story that I mentioned in the podcast at the Easy 8. Yeah. How do you remember that? So that one, I remember Mami Licha was already in prison I was in jail waiting to go to prison. You were staying at your nana's. Andrea was not even a year old staying with Nina Luz. And it was about to be Christmas. And I was in the shoe, actually. I had gotten into a big fight in county jail. And I was in the shoe. And for some reason, they took me back to court. Here I am thinking I'm getting charged for this fight or whatever. But now, actually, the shoe being solitary confinement. Solitary confinement. Um yeah, that's where you go when you get in a fight or whatever. So they took me back to court to tell me that I was being released to a drug rehab. And so I was super happy. I was getting out right before Christmas. Um, I remember walking out of there. The, there was some people there to pick me up from a program. I I didn't even have underwear on just because I went from the shoe, so I didn't have my personal property, whatever. I mean, I had clothes, but... I'm just, I had nothing. <laughs> take that image out of your head. It wasn't like that. But anyways, they take me to this place and they're going through my paperwork or whatever. And I said, no need to do that. I'm leaving. Thank you for the ride. And I left. Wow. And I just wanted to go see you and Andrea. And I guess I went to Papa Beto's. He loaned me a car and I went and picked you up. And But I wasn't really planning on taking you with me because it was Christmas. But you wanted to go with me. And I told you, Widow, we're not going to have any presents. Just go spend Christmas with your Nana. You know how much you like it. It's going to be fun. And you just wouldn't leave my side. You'd rather be in that little easy eight room with me. I think it's so crazy how I have such a vivid memory of that story. Because I was, what, eight years old? About eight, yes. And so what happened that Christmas Eve? 
I remember going to the store somewhere. I, I picked up a little boombox. And you were so happy trying to make the make it so so special. You were gonna you were looking for Christmas carols to play, looking for a movie on the little broken down TV in the room. And um I just wanted to call my connect, you know. So what I wanted was for you to go to sleep. I was very happy to see you, very happy to have you. And at the same time, it was, it was like, why didn't he just go with his Nana? <sighs> that arrest was very hard for me. Because I remember you came home from the hospital with Andrea. You taught me how to change your diaper, how to make a bottle, and you left. And for the longest time, I remember wanting a little brother, a little sister, and I finally had her. Mami Licha was gone. All the stability that I had was gone. And that affected me so much. Then you got pregnant with Andrea, and that was something I was looking forward to, having that family unit. And then she's days old, you leave, you don't come back because you get arrested. And my little sister and I get separated. I go to my Nana's, she goes to my Naluz. And even though we were close to each other, in distance, I didn't see her every day. And I just felt like I wanted to be with you because I missed you so much. Here's the thing, like after Mami Licha left, you stepped up and became my mother. I had a bond with you and it was taken, it was suddenly gone. So I imagine that's why I wanted to be with you because I missed you so much. And I wanted you there just as bad, you know, but you have to remember, I was a full-blown addict, you know? I mean, those months away in jail didn't change the fact that I was very, very strung out and on heroin, not even in jail did that stop. So it was like a constant fight inside of me. It was it was a feeling of of I don't know, remorse. I don't know what the word is. I I wanted you there and you were so happy and you're trying to show me this and and trying to find a movie and 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 I'm like, just stop. Just sit down, go to sleep, you know? Yeah. And then the very next day, we left. We left to Guadalajara. Why? How did that happen? Like I said, I had nothing. I got out with nothing. The house, the home that we had, 
all our lives was gone. Papa Beto, your grandfather, was a drunk out living in someone's backyard. There was nothing there. And I was on the run. Remember, I was supposed to go to a program and I left. So I was able to talk to Mommy Licha on the phone and she said, I said, Mom, what am I going to do? I have nowhere to go. I have no money. And and you wouldn't leave my side, you know? You didn't want to go back to your nana. So she said, leave, leave to Mexico. We had a house over there. She said, until you could think, get over and see what it is you want to do. And so we left. Is my memory correct that my tia walked in with two huge suitcases full yeah. of brand new clothes, toys, everything? Yes, she did. She walked into that Easy 8 motel and said, here's your stuff, you're leaving. That's how I remember it. It was so fast. It just happened so fast. So even from prison, Mamilicha was taking care of us, making sure that we were taken care of. Yeah. She would have your fly to Guadalajara, I want to say like every three to six months and bring us like more clothes, toys, whatever it is we needed. I don't remember that. I do remember you had an allowance. Right. Yes. You could go to the bank every so often, take out money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to take it all out, but I could take out a certain amount. You know, we lived pretty comfortable. Yeah. You didn't work in Mexico. We had a maid. We had a maid. <laughs> we had, an, you know, the house all to ourselves. You had several cars, different cars. <laughs> <laughs> so my teacher provided for us even from prison. I was put into a Catholic school, a private Catholic school. school. And then I don't know how much time went by before we switched you over to a public school down the street. And you switched me over to public school because you had a falling out with my aunt, who was the one who put us in private school. Or or is that incorrect? Well, I think it was more like I ran out of money. (laughs) I went through my... Why did you run out of money? So you mentioned we had a few different cars. Well, after that little Volkswagen, we traded it for a really nice um, lowrider in Mexico. (laughs) We put a lot of money into that car. We remodeled the house a little bit and we brought Kiko came to the States, picked up Kiko, took him to live with us. Kiko didn't initially come with us because he was in prison. He was in prison. And it just so happened that when I came to San Diego, he was getting out the next morning because I would fly down here every three months. After, not at the beginning because we weren't allowed to, you're Grandma wouldn't allow it. But eventually I started just coming without letting anybody know. I missed my heroin. And Kiko came to live with us and it all went to shit. Yeah. And I say that because now we have two heroin addicts in the household and neither of you are working. And eventually we ran out of money. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. He he did get a job as a 
He didn't even speak Spanish, Mom. No, he didn't. But he was very strong and he could lift those cement bags. He would get paid probably like $75 a week. Take you and Andrea to McDonald's and spend it all. And we were broke again the next day. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the gangster chronicles a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. All right, let's talk about Kiko. Kiko. Why Kiko? Like, what was it about Kiko? (laughs) I mean, yes, he was very handsome, but 
like, how did you meet Kiko? How did I meet Kiko? Like, how how did Kiko come into the mix? So, it's funny because we were talking about that the other day. Sai asked me, how did you and Grandpa meet? And I was going to El Pollo. You were in school. I was driving to El Pollo. I was supposed to go pick up some people to Tijuana. And as I drove in, he was standing there talking to someone and our eyes just met. And he just like followed me around. He was there doing a drug deal. I was there trying to do my little go to Tijuana deal. So they told me, you have to go right now. And I'm like, I can't go right now. I have to pick up my son from school. And they're like, you need to go now. And um, I was like, shit, what am I going to do? I, I, you know, I have to pick up my son. And that's when Kiko stepped in and he's like, well, where, where at school does your son go to? I can get him for you. I'm like, really? Oh, how sweet. Total stranger, you know, selling drugs. But that was very sweet of him, right? So I told him, you go to this school and I'll see you here in a few hours. Mind you, I could have got arrested on the way back or whatever, but. So what happened? You were there waiting for me when I got back with Kiko. So Kiko went to my elementary school and picked me up. Yeah. And I went with him. Yeah. A total stranger. Yeah. You were probably used to it. I don't remember that. What would have happened if you would have gotten caught at the border? Did he have my Nana's phone number or what no. was he going to do? What if he sold me? Well, I'm guessing that he would have called my friend Linda and she would have got a hold of, I don't know, your Nana because they knew each other. I don't know. I didn't even stop to think about that. There's You didn't think it through? No. But you made it across the border. I'm assuming you got paid. And we went to celebrate. We took you with us. How do we celebrate? We went, um, we went back to the room, the same Easy 8 motel. Brought Kiko with us because now he was our new cool friend, right? He saved the day. And we stayed there for the next 13 days until he got arrested. We got you some ice cream and turned on the TV for you. And So I'm just going to back up really quick because at this point in my life, Mamudicha's not in prison yet. No, she wasn't. And, and I thought so she was. So why was I with you? Just curious. Because every time I didn't get things my way, I would leave and take you with me until she gave in. And she would give in? All the time. That's why we were there. As a matter of fact, we weren't in the hotel room 13 days. We were there maybe seven or eight before she came and said, come home. And I'm like, well, I have him now, Kiko. Bring him too, she said. And so we went home and she got arrested a few days after that. Emmy was 
my mother's precious child, her pride and joy, the apple of her eye. And any time anything didn't go my way, if she took a car away from me, um, anything, any dumb little thing that I would throw a fit about, I would just threaten to leave with you. And that's all it took. Sometimes she would say go, but she'd come looking for us a few days later at the longest a week. And was this a pattern? Yes. So the disease of addiction is hideous. We do things in our addiction that we wouldn't do in our right minds. It takes us down. So even though my Milicha had money, she had a stable home, you're still doing these side hustles, crossing people at the border to pay for your heroin habit. There's one thing about my mother. She may have been a narco. I don't know what is what would be the word for that. She may have been caught with, she may have been selling drugs herself. But she never enabled my heroin habit. She never gave me a cent for it. I had to do that on my own. And so I did it any way I could, you know, crossing people, shoplifting. Today, where I am in life, with 14 years of sobriety, having been working on myself these 14 years, I understand why you did those things that you did. I didn't understand at the time because I was just a kid. And then I went through my own struggles and I did some petty shit as well. So I understand why you, I understand why you did those things Which is why I don't hold it against you today. Yeah, it was fucked up. Lots of things happened to me that should never happen to a child. And for the longest time, I held on with... And for the longest time, I held on to that resentment until I got sober. And I started to understand the disease of addiction and how we think when we're active in our disease. And to some people, that might seem like it's unexcusable, like it's not an excuse to just neglect or put someone through hell. I guess what I'm getting at is it takes one to know one, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how fucked up this might sound, but in a way... I'm kind of glad that you went through your own experience because it was pretty hard for me because here I, I was so in love with this heroin, heroin, but I loved you too. That joy that you gave me, like you were the only person as a little child that loved me no matter what, that didn't judge me, that didn't, you liked being around me. 
And so I carried all this guilt for a long time. Like when I was in jail, all I thought about was you. I don't know if you remember, I would draw you little pictures and send you letters or whatever. You know, but the moment I walked out of there, I was another person. Like I wanted to know who had the bag, where I was going to go. Oh, yeah, but I'm going to go see my son first. But yeah, he's got to stay with his nana or mommy leech or someone because I got to go score, you know, or okay, come with me. But you already know the drill. You sit back and say nothing. And you accepted that. You sit back and say nothing. Where did you learn that from? I don't know if I learned it. It's just what it was. What I'm getting at is just because you've mentioned this in the past. You grew up with Mamilicha. Okay, I see what you're getting to, yeah? Yeah, well, you have to remember, my childhood was nothing but violence and abuse as well. Papa Beto, my father was an alcoholic and my mom was emotionally sick, you know? They fought almost every day. Domestic violence didn't exist back then. We had the cops at our house at least once a week. At the same time, they're dealing massive quantities of drugs. And, you know, I wasn't allowed to say anything. You just put your feelings back. And so that's pretty much how it was with you, you know? It is what it is, Wero. You know, I'm sorry. This is what you got. You know, I'll buy you a toy later. Just sit back, be quiet. So we could get this done out of the way and then we'll go watch a movie or something. That's how it was. And and you were okay f- with that for a long time until you got older, you know, and all the anger started coming out. And you started letting me know how you felt. And it was ugly. I I I never thought that I would have this beautiful relationship that we have now where we can talk, we can cook, we can do whatever, you know, and just you're not afraid that if I say I'll be right back, that I'm not going to come back. You're not always trying to look into my eyes to see if my pupils are dilated, you know, and at first you were our first Christmas together after I got out. I saw that in you anytime, even if someone would call me, who was that? Where are you going? Why? You're not like that anymore. And I wouldn't trade this relationship for the world, you know? That was part one of my interview with my mom. Tune in next week for the second half. We will reflect on how we got to where we are today. And that was my main goal, to just one step at a time show my kids that they don't have to worry about me anymore. That's next week on Crumbs. Thanks for listening. Crumbs is a production of iHeartRadio's My Cultura Podcast Network and Sonoro in association with Trojan Horse. It's produced by Margaret Catcher and Carmen Graterol and edited by Jasmine Romero and Alex Fumero. Original music by Daniel Peterschmidt and engineering by Manuel Parra and Daniel Padilla. Executive produced by Giselle Vances and Connell Byrne for iHeart, Alex Fumero for Trojan Horse, Joshua Weinstein, Jasmine Romero, 
Camila Vitoriano, and Jerónimo Avila for Sonoro, and me, Emmy Olea. Special thanks to Monisa Henricks, Fernanda Estrada, and Sara Mota. Listen to Crumbs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.